Welcome to the Renegade Yogi Podcast Experience. Join myself, Zorananda, and this episode's guest as we explore yoga in the modern world. Prepare yourself as we will experience yoga like never before. to the Renegade Yogi podcast experience. I have a really wonderful guest today who is a close friend of mine. We both lived in Edmonton at some point and she introduced me to a yoga practice called Katona Yoga. And from there, just our friendship flourished and I watched her grow the practice to the point where it allowed her to basically change her life uh, completely. And so I'd like to introduce Kat. And uh, so, yeah, I think we were kind of going back and forth over um, the messages about what we want to talk about. But I think what I want to ask you is, um, what got you into your yoga practice and also to kind of introduce yourself as well as what you do? Okay. Well, I'm Kat Villain. Um, my, my married to my husband. So my, my married name is Smith. Um, I, right now I am living off grid in central coast, California, and we are just, um, tending to the land and taking care of the birds and the insects by giving them a refuge. Um, and I create a high-end line of beauty products called Fumescent. Um, but that's kind of my, my big passion is aromatic plant botanicals and my whole garden is an aromatic medicinal garden. Um, what got me into yoga was, I feel like a lifetimes ago of myself pieces of myself that no longer exist but um I was (laughs) I was finishing my um accounting degree and I had just I don't even know how I got into my first oh actually I do know how I I moved away from Edmonton to live in Vancouver um when I was done my my schooling degree because I just wanted to try something new out even though I had a job in Edmonton um starting in the next like it was September or something so I was only going to go for four months um and so I was just like kind of I guess it was uh me finding myself I just like didn't have any friends there and I just like sat in my apartment and was running all the time and my roommate had signed us up for a half marathon and so I really didn't train for it because it was a week away and we both ran it and we both destroyed our bodies like couldn't walk the next day had shin splints like crazy did really well um but finally something in my head because everyone'd be like you should try yoga you would love yoga and I finally went to my yoga class and it was kind of it kind of repaired my body from it and so I was hooked since then um and it kind of opened my mind to like a whole lifestyle like I went vegan in Vancouver which I'm not anymore but I was vegan there um and I just I really started to 
to, I guess, just transform how I viewed reality. And I, I went back to my accounting job and saw it for what it was and the people and how sick they all were. And I was like, ah, I don't want this for myself. So I, I kind of turned away from that um, mainstream uh, career path. And it was, I think I was 21. So I've been, I guess, an entrepreneur ever since. And uh, I have not looked back, I guess. So that's how I found yoga. And I mean, at, at first it was just the physical practice, but now obviously it's so much more than that. <laughs> yeah. And what I think is interesting is how, from what I remember of, you know, the time we spent together and, um, you know, practicing in your living room to practicing at nourish to seeing, um, how you were so strongly, um, driven to grow the studentship that you had going from, uh, yeah, just like in-home practice to nourish to then doing a teacher training, um, how that all leads to a complete change, right? That now you're living in California, you have uh, a growing successful apothecary and I've been really thinking about that lately and how there's this like acceleration that occurs in taking that time to really dive into a practice and use it for what it is, you know? And so it's really, it's really inspiring to see how that's worked for you. And, you know, now that, you know, you have, um, a little child and you have a husband and you have this life, um, do you feel like that's kind of taken away from your kind of deep dive in yoga or do you find that this is all just like an extension of it? You know, it's so interesting because I really have, um, I really don't like the word yoga anymore because it's been so commercialized and it's so mainstream and living in LA and teaching in LA and having companies that own certain people's bodies for their products. Um, it really, <laughs> because yoga is so much more than the physical postures. And for me, you know, when I really look at what yoga is and what it's done for me, like I'm, I'm so busy, but becoming a mom has made me a superhero so I can like do anything really now. Um, but the, when you really see the yoga practice for what it is, and it's like, it's a union of everything, you know, every, um, religion, I guess you can call it <laughs> for lack of a better word, every path, the Tao, uh, the path of the yogi from India, the, you know, old traditions, they all came from the same lineage of like this union from source because we all like the source energy got split into two and now we're playing with duality and it's just harmonizing this duality. So I guess, you know, eventually in the practice, it, it becomes, I mean, I guess the best ex example of this is that when, when one is learning a technique, you like fumble through it and you're learning and it, it's flawed at first because you can tell that someone's learning a technique. Like I can tell that my daughter's trying to learn like how to put the thing in the thing because she's like fumbling and she can't get it in. But right when she masters that one part, whatever task it is, she just does it and it's not no longer a thing. And that's when it's, it's a craft and you can no longer tell that there's a technique behind it. And I think what all true yoga is, is the ability to integrate like every single piece of yourself in your life 
into like this art form that has so much technique and that's so refined that when you when you see someone doing it, you're like, I, you can't even tell that there's anything behind it. It's just effortless. Um, and the Taoists called it Wu Wei, the effortless effort. And so eventually your yoga practice takes you to this place where it's like, it's self-sustaining because you've done it again and again and again and again, you've been present again and again, or you moved your body again and again, that it's no longer something that you have to work so hard for. Like I just do my practice in the mornings when my daughter is sleeping so I can stretch out my body. Cause you know, we're living off grid and it's a lot of hard work. And, and then I'm able to like be a better mother to her because I had that time for myself. And then we can do our tasks together throughout the day. And I'm never like, you know, getting tripped up or angry or short with her. Like I have the time and the space to give her the time and the space that she needs to go about her day instead of forcing her on my schedule. No, that makes sense. Um, Cause I've been feeling the same way where when I look at, you know, myself 10 years ago and what was the initial drive and the initial desire to get into a practice, it not only had that um, curiosity and inquisitiveness to seek out something spiritual, but then there was that, I want to be able to do all these postures and I want to be able to have this kind of flexibility and this strength. And I just felt for myself personally, I was going about it in this overt pressing towards something that I wasn't possibly ready for it, which led to injuries, right? So now my yoga practice has changed so dramatically. And then that unfurled this whole other intention, this whole other sense of exploration of just like softening into it and seeing how there's really no rush into it. So if I'm not practicing really strong asana every day, like it doesn't matter anymore. And the enjoyment comes from the times where I can do my breathing techniques, sit down to meditate and, and do it for something more selfless, like what you're saying, right? Like it gives you the availability um, to be with your child more presently, right? And so, I, I wonder, um, now with your, with your apothecary, um, do you find that instead of needing to like teach yoga the way that you were, that you feel like the yoga practice and, and the presence that you have is a part of creating the apothecary so to go more to put that energy more into the apothecary rather than trying to continue teaching yoga you know honestly i've never felt like the yoga teacher was my path it was always just something i did until you know until it wasn't working anymore which was fine right when i had my daughter i was like oh thank god <laughs> um because i do love it for myself and and you know all traditional yoga was very personal it wasn't about gathering in a community and doing these postures because that's when the ego gets involved and that's when we hurt ourselves and we get injured um but there's something about gathering in community and finding your own people which is necessary in a city because it's such an isolating place you're just like wandering around with a bunch of of people doing their own thing um and so I guess with my apothecary, I just, I, I discovered the magic of plant botanicals. And I truly believe that, you know, we're, 
we're in a place on the planet where the diversity is declining so rapidly and um, we're, we're taking too many resources. Um, and so the one thing that the yoga really showed me was this idea of living minimally and, and um, in more of a sustainable way. And truthfully, since uh, becoming fascinated with, with the sense of smell and my sense of smell and the ability of smell to sustain the individual, um, I find that like just being in my aromatic garden or using my perfumes or my body products is like a source of food of itself. And it's it's quite a, an easy source of food, especially since a lot of times I don't have to use it. I can just like go outside and smell all my stuff. And you know, you wh however you wanna give your body sustenance is how your body will accept fuel. Um, and so for me, it's just been this really uh, way of living lighter, I guess, and, and using the plant botanicals, I mean, in, in a planet that's so polluted and in a people that's so sick, and we've really created the conditions on this planet for disease and illness to thrive. Um, I think that to turn back to, to nature for our health is the only way forward because science has done us a number. Um, and so, you know, all the, all the plant botanicals I use are like the essential oils or the waters of the plant that are the plant's protective properties and they have life enhancing characteristics and they protect the plant from predators or from insects or from what have you, you know, because they're, they're, they're these protective properties. Um, and so I, I feel like when I use the plants, it's like my, my own form of not needing anything outside of myself. So doctors or whatever else, um, all the plants have their own specific purpose on healing the individual. And most plants that you need are only around you because you're living and breathing in the same atmosphere in the same air. And to like return to a small space and to know what's around you and using the plants that are around you is really how you return back to the earth, which I mean, we can leave the earth or we can stay here and create harmony again. So for me, I think I realized that yoga is like being working with the planet because it's not just harmonizing the pieces inside of yourself. It's harmonizing your relationship with everything outside of yourself. And the big relationship that's broken right now on the planet is our relationship to nature because we can manufacture things in the lab so cheaply and then sell it and everything's based on commerce. So it's quite sad, but it's what happened. And, you know, when we, when we find ourselves in yoga, like there's something missing, we're looking for spirit because the spiritual imminence has been completely lost on our planet. And so when you come back to your body, whether it's yoga, whether it's Tai Chi, whether it's Qigong, you know, there's so many modalities of returning to yourself and you can really listen to yourself and what you're supposed to be doing on the planet and how to heal your own body and how to listen within and listen to the plants. Um, because there's so much about plants that is unwritten that, that, you know, you, it moves beyond words when we, when we work with them. So did I, that answer your question? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, because I think, um, the way that I've, I've been starting to see yoga is it's, it's like a preparatory stage and there's some people that are just naturally going to be, um, geared towards a full lifelong yoga adventure journey. Right. And I also do think that it's going to come in a phase where the consciousness of yoga itself, I think, knows something intuitively because it's a part of you, like, right? Like, that's why it's happening to you. That's why you're taking on the, um, the task and the responsibility of upholding the practice is that there's something subconscious intuitive that knows that it's driving you towards something. And 
that's where I think it it can be really beneficial and it's something that can be playful and enjoyed where when I when I compare, you know, how I was and you know, maybe outwardly it doesn't seem that way, but inside my mind I was always really tough on myself for not progressing at the rate that I wanted to that led to the injuries that I've had. And so understanding it now by kind of being witness to other people in my life. So like for you, for example, where I'm seeing everything that you're doing on social media and how you changed your life from living in Edmonton and really focusing on, on yoga to then living in California and having an apothecary that a light bulb clicked in me and was like, Oh, you can you can use it as this container for cultivating a lot of energy and then using it to drive you forward in in a direction that um is just gonna come in divine timing, right? Um just kinda like how we see it in your life and in many other people's lives. Um and so I think that's kind of the point of what I'm wanting to share with this podcast and these conversations is that, um, you know, hopefully down the line, the more and more guests I interview that we kind of see that yoga is this an addition into your life. And it's, and it's your choice, whether you want to keep it in your life at whether any extent, or it serves its purpose and you're like, okay, I can move on. I can keep doing my thing. Right. Um, but I think, it's it's inevitably gonna make um, a pretty significant imprint and gonna be in your life for um, an indefinite amount of time. Even you know for yourself, like I'll see you still post videos of your morning practice and how it pertains to the next step you're gonna take in your day, right? Where it's like, okay, I did my yoga practice. Now I'm gonna spend time with my daughter. I'm gonna bottle my apothecary stuff. I'm going to go collect herbs. I'm going to tend to my garden. Um, and you know, that, that says something to that importance of natural living as well. Right. Um, like what you're <clears throat> just saying is that that's really what's missing is that we have these like massive cities with millions of people totally disconnected from the fact that every one of us have ancestors that tie back to being farmers, you know, or something having to do with agriculture gathering. And that's, that could be just two or three generations away or four generations away in our, in our lineage. And many people are just completely disconnected from that because of all the distractions that are happening. And, you know, what would it take for, more and more of us to be inspired to, you know, follow people like you and, and, uh, support people like you and, and to have that inspiration be like, you know what, I'm, I live in an apartment, but I'm just going to grow like some herbs for right now and just start the process in learning. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so now that you have a little wee cat, a little plum. Um, do you find yourself thinking about um, 
how all this technology and and everything that's kind of steering away steering us away from nature how that might influence her or do you have a good sense that where you are in in the country and around nature that um she you know has this opportunity to be more connected with nature without that um kind of over influence yeah i will say i mean just i will talk about that but i i do want to say that i do my yoga every day mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not that I turned away from yoga it's just that um it's so much bigger than just the practice but you know i do it i have done it every day for a decade and i do it to welcome in aurora the sunrise i do my breath work in the midday so that i'm taking the pause of summer that every animal pauses during the midday sun and then i turn within and i do a quiet practice at night because it's it's like it, as you say, back to connected with nature, that's like the rhythm of the seasons in one day. And with my daughter, I mean, it's not that she needs to be more connected. She is, you're, we're born connected. We're, if you're born from a seed, you're born from origin source, right? Like the seed is that like conduit to the cosmos where the invisible world becomes the visible world. And so, I mean, when I watch her in the garden, like she's been carrying a watering can since she was like a year and a half. like she waters her garden she now knows she's not even two yet and she knows to not pick the green strawberries that she has to wait until they turn red otherwise they won't be good um she knows to go and smell every flower and to to pet her plants and go and talk to them and when i watch her and how at ease she is and and peaceful and such a calm being and um she doesn't really have tempers you know i talk to her like she's an adult and and she's she's a completely she knows everything like she's such a genius she if i say anything she'll go over to it and you know like since she was very young um so it's quite it's quite fascinating to watch a child that hasn't been in that world and has only been in a natural world um because i mean we started building our tiny house when she was six months and we were living in malibu um and so it was still you know quite nature like (laughs) as much as could be if you're in la um but the need to work with plants, like you said, is so deeply, it's our destiny. Like it is our destiny to be working with plants. I think it wasn't until the 13th century, everyone was a peasant until some scholars were like, okay, now it's best to be a scholar and to dress really well and to have your kids go to school and sit them in a desk so they can't move, um, which is so against our nature. Our nature is to be moving and working with the plants and having a dialogue with the plants of our area. Um, and so when I watch her, I'm just reminded of like source, source energy or origin energy of this energy of like being in complete rhythm with the seasons. Like in winter, she was so much more sleepier. And in summer, like as it's springtime, she's like awake and vibrant and like is waking up earlier. And like, it's already what, what she can't speak is like already interwoven because she sees mm. the sunlight increasing each day and she she'll see it decreasing as we go towards the winter solstice. So she's already profoundly in this rhythm just by virtue of being alive and not having words or intellect taking her away from it and we don't use technology in front of her I turn my phone off when I'm around her I'll check it once in a while but like it's not a thing um and she doesn't look at a screen ever we don't have a tv in here like it's not even a thing for her she's just like if she wants to go play she goes outside um and we you know it's she doesn't even have a lot of toys (laughs) she's just being a human being um and she's already fully potty trained like I mean, it's amazing when we really support their natures, what, what kind of, of beings they turn into. So, um, 
yeah, it's, it's, it's quite the yoga practice to watch. And she's over, she never watched me do yoga, which I think is fascinating. And she's been doing yoga since she could like move basically. And she still does it. She does her dog poses. She does all her things. And I'm just like, how do you know how to do all this? Because it's like, it's so inborn in us to like move our bodies and to like stretch it out. Um, and so I think the sedentary lifestyle of being on our technologies really takes us away from that, which is why we we turn to it eventually. Yeah. Well, I just, um, I remember even when I was a child, I would just get into yoga postures by myself without even knowing it, right? Like full wheel and shoulder stand and headstand and forward fold and, and all these things. And, but no one in my family did yoga, right? So my parents had no experience with it at all. No one in my lineage or family at all. Um, and so I'm like the first of the generation of my family to get into it. But I think it's it's interesting to see um, like a like a child, like a baby doing that, right? Where they're just doing these stretches intuitively knowing that um, without having any vernacular, any wording or any, any sense of language to try to explain what's going on, that um, she just knows in her body that she just needs to stretch. And um, so I wonder about this correlation of, you know, people who have someone like you grow, um, spending years and years developing a practice, literally imprinting it into your DNA to then having a child who just goes into it so innately. And so I, I just wonder for myself, you know, like it, how that carries out through their life, because there's going to be a point where, you know, I have children and, um, seeing all the practice I've done is I just, can't help but wonder that, you know, my children are, you know, possibly a child is going to just pick up on that. And that's where I think this sense of natural living is, is so important, you know, and how simple it can be, right? Where you have your yoga practice, you have your apothecary, um, and you know you have this tiny home in this country that you live in um so what do you think is next you know what where do you where are you going with with all this or are you just kind of taking it day by day you know in terms of my life or (laughs) i guess in the career thing i know that none of my career careers all the things I do are inspired by like whatever I feel like doing in the moment I love writing I have books um I I'm beginning to realize that one doesn't need to like publish everything because right when you write something down it's imprinted into the world um I think that what's next is we're gonna get some chickens (laughs) I think what's next for the world is that um the only way forward is for everyone to begin to live a more sustainable lifestyle and small like 
oh, I should have looked it up. <laughs> the amount of gallons of water every American household uses. We have 500 gallons of water every two weeks to use. All of our gray water in our house goes and waters our garden, right? We are solar powered. So we are not dependent upon any any entity outside of ourselves for our, our like, how we live our lives, um, which I think if, if anyone was paying attention when the pandemic started was the, the breaks in the supply chain and or when um, climate disasters strike, the breaks in the power chain and, and how monopolizing all of these things on our planet has really taken the power away from the individual, which is quite terrifying if you think about it. Um, and so what's next for us is like just becoming more sustainable. We have a whole rainwater capturing system in our, in our, um, just over there. <laughs> um, we have a mist heart because we have, we live by the ocean. So we have our own little microclimate of atmospheric fog. So we're going to set up our mist harp so that we catch the mist water. Cause there's, it just drips every night. Um, and I think, I think, um, for us to be as sustainable as possible and not need any source outside of ourselves to feel safe is like what we're working towards because honestly the system is broken and we don't want any part of it so yeah. i mean we were in the fire in malibu so we were like we would lose our power anytime the fires would break out which is all the time in dry season and to be in a house at, when it's like 30 degrees, sorry, Americans, I don't know Fahrenheit, <laughs> to be in a little tiny house when it's 30 degrees and there's smoke air and you can't use anything is terrible. Nothing will make you feel more scared. <laughs> so we were like, we're done with that. <laughs> we are completely going to be sustainable and do it by ourselves. And, and we did we're building our tiny house. We were just going to stay at our friends in Malibu and hook it up to her power and like all this stuff. And then we just got the message we had to leave. Um, and so we just did this on the fly. And so everything we do is really a big experiment. Um, but I think, I honestly think, and I believe that the the best way to know where anything that you have comes from is to do it yourself. Because with commerce comes a lot of fraudulent activity and cutting the corners. So, um, you know, if you want quality, you got to deliver your own quality. Um, so I guess that's, we're, we're going to make a chicken soup and get some chickens. <laughs> That's what's next. And as far as like everything else goes, I mean, I do an online mentorship that I'm probably going to wind down. I really haven't had much desire or like, I don't want to be on technologies. Like the more I'm in nature, the less I want to stare at a screen. And it's very hard for me even right now to even share on social media. Um, and I can't even share the magic we're creating because magic is invisible. Yeah. <laughs> They say you walk into the garden forwards and you leave backwards because you leave the secrets there. There's no point in taking them into a lab to dissect them because you mm -hmm. won't find them. They're secrets. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I've, I've been thinking um, with the state of the world and, you know, everything that's been going on and seeing protests and a whole sense of like a reset that I just thought to myself, the the real revolution in changing the planet and really protecting the planet is doing precisely what you've done, right? To Action. go exactly like go right back to the earth. Like I think it's just so contradictive and um, so convoluted with all of this environmentalism and all of this action of spreading the word of climate change and, you know, all these scientists and what they have to do. And yet 
people are just staying in the cities and staying in their apartments and still contributing to the system in that way and you know protesting in the streets when really what the earth needs for us to participate in her healing is to literally just live from her right and literally grow from her and to dig in her soil in a way where it's replenished by the food that we're growing that replenishes us and so when i when i tell this to people most people just think it's impossible right or they think that it's something that they need to do right now and there are all these excuses of well i like i don't know anything about gardening i don't know anything about growing food i don't know anything about sustainability and it's like you have the technology that you've been using on to go on social media every day to literally find all of that information. Mm -hmm. And when you look at, when I look at my own lifestyle and, you know, Alicia and I talk about, well, our goal is to get onto land and our goal is to um, be able to be sustainable. And so we set a plan for it. So we go, okay, we have like a two to three year timeline where we want to be able to buy land, to be able to buy a house and um, do the things in the vision that we have for ourselves. And that's what I like to tell people is like, you don't have to just go bushwhack right now. You don't have to try to sell all your things and immediately leave. You can plan it out and spend the next two, three years learning, you know, like spend the next two, three years, figure out, um, you know, what it takes to grow your own food and harvest your own water and, and whatnot. And so then you can prepare yourself for it. And I, I really do feel like that is the real revolution on this planet is more and more people leaving the cities and, and getting out back into nature. Cause that's where the power will dissolve. Right. I just have this vision of like, okay, what if Edmonton 500,000 people decided to leave and go live out on their own land, what would happen to the economy of the city? Right. That would be a huge change. That would change everything. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm always like, where you don't put your power is where, or where you, where you like, you know, you don't think about something or you don't engage in something is where it loses its power. So, I mean, people get so mad when I do this, but I've never voted in my whole life because I think politics is BS. And I'm like, I would never put my power in another entity to whatever. And if everyone didn't vote, what would happen? If the whole entire country didn't vote, what would they do? I'm sure there's like a system to do that. But if everyone disengaged from that system, it would cease to exist because no one has their faith in it anymore, right? Because everything's just a belief system anyway. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, there's, there's crap, you don't even need to own land, you know, there's always crafty ways to get what you want because honestly, <laughs> ownership is, is an illusion too, <laughs> right? Nothing, there's territory for sure. Nature plays with territory, but ownership. And, and I mean, I learned all my gardening from nature. I walk any wild land I can find all the time. And then she tells you what's supposed to be sprouting right now and what medicines are around and when's the best time to plant and when's the best time to wait. And, you know, it's just when you're, when you're in rhythm 
you know, that springtime is an opening out and a quickening of energy to plant seeds. And then in summer, nothing, you don't plant seeds because there's a big pause, the earthworms pause, everything pauses because when the sun is too hot and there's too much light in the sky, everything just waits until the moment's right. So that um, autumn when everything's closing down and you can plant your seeds again and start to go within. And then in winter, there's another pause because there's always, I mean, that's what yoga is, right? It's like this duality and it's the tension that keeps life lit. It's like the tension of hot and cold and moist and dry and this like ever-changing symphony that's going through the seasons and your ability to perceive it and then use it in the garden because eventually words are useless, right? Words are only designed by a system that design the words and the language. And so, you know, nature doesn't speak words. She speaks symbols and she speaks a way of life and um, community and conservatory and diversity and ever expanding fertility if you know how to use a seed. Um, so yeah, definitely the, the only way we're gonna survive the next the next little while on our planet is to return to nature. Otherwise, if nature's yeah. not here, it's not Yeah, and I think it's happening too. Like there regardless of what we see on the media, you know, like wherever we tune into, we can obviously see the narratives at play and we can obviously see what is being focused on and what's not being focused on. And what I tune into within just my mind is okay, what's not being shown? And what's not being shown is that there are people who are choosing to just get out and they're like, you know what, I'm done with living in a city. I'm just going to like go to a smaller town and go to the outskirts. And that's not to say that, you know, you go somewhere so isolated where you're hours and hours and hours away from people. It's it's okay to be for far enough out where you still have access to the city. If you have certain amenities that you need, um, but to the point where you can be in a place where you're literally 360 degrees surrounded by nature at all times and the sounds and the sights and the smells and the feelings are so much more directly tactile to a natural sense of living and so where i started to see the signs of this is um uh the news would come out with some statistics and it's just like they slip it in so quickly where they're like um over the last two months you know like two thousand people or 2500 people um have left the city right to move somewhere else and so i just think about that and i'm like okay well if that's happening here then that's happening everywhere that's happening all over the world and it's actually happening to millions of people that millions of people are deciding that it's enough um you know the stranglehold of corruption is um getting overbearing it's time to just get back right into nature yeah and the city's way of life is like in nine to five intellect solar work day you know it's just not supportive of a healthy body at all because i mean if you're if you're even in the cosmic forces like 
when the moon is waning, I'm like, I can't do anything. <laughs> and then when the moon is increasing, I'm like, oh, I've got extra energy at this time of day. But like a city doesn't support that. Most careers don't support that kind of livelihood because they're like, what? <laughs> What's the moon? <laughs> How, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, it's, I really do, like you said, the, the revolution is going to be very personal. You know, you can't demand anyone to change anything because they're not going to if there's money to be made money will be made and it will be at the at the um expense is that i can think the right word yeah. at the expense of the individual always you know and so eventually you know if 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 the the drive is enough enough will be enough and um i think a lot of people do like living in a city and that's also totally fine but you know in every in every you know culture or tradition there's always been like the people that lived at the edge of the woods that kept alive the the fairy myths of plants and herbs and and all the magic of the forest so that you know it will will carry forward in humanity no matter what humanity is going through because i think uh, humanity has a lot of um I don't like the word karma, but a lot of stuff to work out, <laughs> a lot of pain and suffering and letting go of ego and letting go of like a, a money amount in the bank and stuff like this. Like it's, it's a lot. Um, and it's a lot to lose one's way of life and to lose what everything one thought was true and to realize that it was built on falsity. Um, and so, you know, it's, it'll be interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and the way I I comfort myself in you know the plethora of of events that have been happening and um, you know the way that I stay centered um, has been through herbology because uh, my um, fiance Alicia is also has her own apothecary. And so we just have a whole variety of herbs and tinctures and powders. And um, it's been such a blessing to know that it, there are some alternatives that um, are the original medicines that, you know, humanity has been using for thousands of years. And so I think that whole idea of like, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to stay in a city, but what can I do to remediate from say higher levels of pollution, toxicity and, um, water toxicity and, and, and whatever, right. That there are these amazing companies like yours and Alicia's that provide uh, a holistic view through herbology that like what you said earlier that you because of of uh consumerism and distribution and stuff you, sometimes you can't trust some companies right that you just have to do it yourself and mm -hmm. we found that ourselves as well where um to see alicia crafting her own tinctures and and where she's getting the herbs from and where she's getting the products from that i can actually feel the benefits that are that are happening and i just find it that it's it's kind of a shame that there's there's such a bias against it um when 
you know, it, it takes the time to develop the relationship with it. Um, so I think where I'm going with this is, uh, you know, how have you been finding, um, the relationship that you have with your apothecary and, and the herbs that you're using and the, the outreach that you have and, and say the way that it's been embraced by your community and, and the people around you. You know, I think like, like what you're saying, um, it's really like the big corporations or like the big companies that, you know, there's just corners that are cut to make money. Whereas I really think, and I believe that the return to how we live our lives is going to be based on like personal relationship or, you know, like small scale, small businesses, because like you can, you can trust, you can see the love that gets prepped into something by someone that has complete, like I have complete control over my business. I don't have anyone else doing it for me. So I know what I'm putting into it. I put all of this stuff on my body. So I'm going to only use the best quality because you're right. Like you said, like even in a city, but we're all on a toxic planet. We all have polluted water supplies, even if you're getting your water from the well or you're getting rainwater. Like there's trace chemicals in everything because it doesn't just disappear. We're all connected to it. Um, and so, and so like, I find that, you know, all of my, I don't even like the word customer, <laughs> everyone that supports my fumescent project and my ability to craft and to distribute these magical potions as I call them um will constantly come back and get more and more and more and more because they can they they trust what is what is being given to them they trust the results that they're having through them because you know um they're pure and they're completely organic scented compounds like so the smell is from the plant itself rather than an isolated component made in a lab which our body knows that that's not right to smell um, and using your sense of smell immediately connects you into your, your limbic system of your brain, which is your safety and your security and it unlocks memories and, and cure, creates new memories. Um, and so, so I think like with like more integral business approaches to, to giving whatever it is that you're offering, um, is really going to be like the way forward because why, you know, why would, why would anyone want to keep supporting companies that are robbing people or creating ill health for people or, you know, don't stand behind their products? Like it's, I think to me, it's ludicrous. We're in the age of lunacy though. So we'll see how it unfolds, but it's important to like know. And if people, you know, some people don't know, but like herbs are origin energy. They are benevolent and angelic forces. They are on this planet prolifically. They, you know, they don't need a lot of tending to, to, to grow somewhere. Like they're littered in the fields. They're everywhere. They are, they've been, they're older than mankind. Like some of them like horsetail has been with the dinosaurs. And so these plants that can withstand everything are adapting at all times to their environment. And when you take in that kind of medicine, as we'll call it, maybe that'll be censored. <laughs> when you take in that kind of medicine, you're taking in something into your body that has like wisdom that is so ancient and you know they're like the trees like using tree medicine trees are the ultimate givers they they give and then they take in all of our pollution and then they give like magic breath like it's i mean the fact that these things aren't more revered to me is crazy um but all of the herbs come from that origin energy and like the more you crossbreed like our plants that are basically found in the garden or hybridized or do you take cuttings of these plants are going to have disease and illness and they're going to be, they're going to need a lot of attention to grow because they're like Franken plants in a sense, right? Like they don't come from the seed. Like you have to have it come from the original seed. If you want to be connected to the cosmos and be connected to 
um, the conduit of the heavens or, you know, the energy of like where we all came from. Um, and so I, I believe that these plants have the, the capacity to like heal even mycelium. Like if you know what mycelium does to clean up waste, right? Yeah. yeah. The, the, the capacity to undo what the wrong steps that we've well, wrong. I don't like that word either, but you know, like the steps that we've taken to get where we are and the mistakes that we made and the things that we need to let go of and the comforts, like the plants are the beneficial forces that will be able to help us through this. You don't get out of a mess by using more science. I feel like you got to go to the opposite, just like, you know, winter is only known through summer and spring is only known through autumn. You have to meet the opposite in order to rectify, you know, the, the imbalance. Yeah. Um, just give me a second here. I just need to adjust, uh, uh, sound level. Yeah, what what this reminds me of is I like years ago I was listening to a radio show and Cello was talking about how feudalism and monarchies were basically overtaken by free trade and that when a system gets to a point that it's um has been operating successfully for a long period of time and that there's this innate corruption that starts to grow within it that ends up affecting the people in in the societies that there are these little ideas that start to form and it starts to challenge the corruption within the system so way back in the medieval times in feudalistic times free trade was this little idea because people were being taxed all of their money. And so they were like, well, we don't have money to buy anything. So maybe we can just trade with one another. So if I have eggs and, um, you know, you have whatever, we can trade for it, right? And the monarchs at the time started to catch wind of this. And they thought, oh, you know what? It's not a big deal. It's just happening just kind of here and there. We still have all the money. We still have the religion. We still have all the power and the armies. You know, it's not going to do anything. And this continued happening, you know, over centuries to the point where it was just all over Europe and basically all over the world where they couldn't control it anymore. And suddenly the feudalistic system had to adopt that kind of free trade system. And so I see that almost happening now with a reemergence of, of herbalism where there was a suppression of it back in the 1900s, late 1800s. But it was still a fringe kind of idea that was still happening in the underground and to the point where it's continued to grow even more now. And especially with the internet, with this advent of reaching tens of thousands of millions of people almost all at once, that the transference of information on how precisely to adopt a more holistic health uh, view or a lifestyle 
is so much more readily available. And I think it's only going to grow more and more where people like you, people like Alicia, just everyday people are going to start being like, hey, I can just make my own stuff. And if for whatever reason, there's a there's a disruption in me getting it from somewhere else, there's herbs and plants all over around me that I can cultivate and I can use that I can experiment with, right? And I can learn from because there's like, you know, weeds, quote unquote, all over the place that have amazing qualities to it that um, can help alleviate many different things. And I think that is the like new not new yoga but for for people like us who are yogis and who are teaching yoga and you know are kind of going away from teaching yoga that the connection to the earth and this unifying consciousness is showing up through herbs and showing up through how we can adopt it and put it back into our into our diet into our into understanding our health yeah i mean i <laughs> i would get herb books of your place like there's always like like i have really old like native american uses um for plants there is so much misinformation on herbs unfortunately with all the things that are things that are available to us um because you know when we started shipping herbs all the way across the planet because this herb was good over here for these people and it uh made sure that they didn't get xyz disease or illness or whatever and they started shipping it so that other people might not get that disease it didn't work so well because mm. you know there's like specific plants around you for a specific reason that are going to help you out and they're for you they're not for you know someone across the planet and so to really understand like what's growing in your fields i think is like one of the most empowering steps you can take to your own health and your own food supply because like if you the minute i had eyes to see what was growing around me i was like everything is food and everything is medicine and everything is a way to ensure that my health and my vitality stays at its utmost because we're in a very sick world and it's and people are sick and our, our waters are sick and our creatures are sick and you know we're, we're carrying a a load of pollution of like you know uh whenever we started creating pollution on the planet we all have it inside of ourselves um and so I think it, the most important thing is to like really have conversations with plants. Like I just go out in the forest and I see why they're growing, where they're growing and what they're doing throughout the seasons and what part of its, of its herb or its plant form is an expression. Like, you know, the buds are always the medicine of springtime. Um, the flowers are the medicine of summer. The, the, the needles and like the, the heartwood is always the medicine of autumn. And then the roots is for winter. And, you know, just like, our, our energy in our body moves through specific organs, through specific seasons, the energy of a plant moves in that same way in that origin rhythm of our seasons. Um, and so just, just by being an observer of observing what is going on around you in like wherever you can get into nature, I think is one of the most empowering ways to start to learn about plants because otherwise it's overwhelming. There's like so many plants on the planet, but they're not necessarily relevant to like one person's needs from where they are. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really, that's a really good point. Um, and, and I mean, it's, it's not unknown, right. To, 
try to eat locally and seasonally and um because the the thing that i noticed um just looking at nutrition and what we're taught in schools what our parents teach us what um we're inundated every day through commercials and the whole food industry um is how there's no emphasis on having herbs as a part of your diet right where there's like seasoning herbs quote unquote right where it's like you know you have your thyme and sage and oregano and and mint powerful plants to play with too because they're the protective herbs yeah where like when i when i talk to my parents about their lifestyle when they lived in Serbia and, you know, my grandparents and great grandparents and family there. And, you know, I think farmers from a hundred to 200 years ago is that herbs were a good portion of actually in their diet you know like the the percentage that i had in my mind was like okay you have like three quarters food and a quarter herbs and then as you grow older you actually lessen the amount of food that you're taking in and you increase the amount of herbs that you're taking in and and how that's just not the case at all that it's like zero percent herbs or maybe like one to two percent herbs as a seasoning and then everything else is food and then you can kind of you know get a sense why people there's like obesity issues and digestive issues and uh, organ issues and all those things it's because it's like the body's not meant to be taking in that much food and and so where the vitality of the body comes in is actually through all the different herbs right and so that's that's something that i've definitely been adopting in my life as well and i think that's generally what i you know advise for people it's okay look at how much food you're eating because most of it is actually lacking a lot of nutrients I guarantee it. And so if you were to take out um, even a fifth of how much you're eating and replace that with a variety of herbs, you're also going to increase your nutritional content, right? Because a lot of the herbs are just super packed. You know, they're super potent with um, all sorts of vitamins and minerals. And, you know, that's not to say then the benefit of supplementing on on certain things like vitamin D and vitamin C and zinc and magnesium and and iodine and just things that were just generally lacking, right? But I thought that was interesting to see that it's like there's this huge shift away from even using any kind of herbs um, for just general health maintenance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah you can't make money off of them because they're growing on the road <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's right yeah yeah generally like i mean they make food look good on the store shelves but it's no different than eating white bread especially if you're not eating organic food it's just food that has zero nutritional quality in it at all and you're just like your body is just like looking for nutrients somewhere so of course you're gonna overeat um 
right? Like I, I drink nettles every single day. And when I drink my herbs, I like barely need to eat at all. I just like have some flowers because pollen is like so nutritious. And like you said, like, I, I don't really supplement pill form because I don't really believe our bodies recognize it as anything, but like, I'll definitely mm -hmm. um, like drops of stuff or like horsetail if I need silica or um, like, yeah, I do take iodine, um, like little supplements like this, which like, I mean, <laughs> if you really watch what's going on, you might need a prescription for those things soon, <laughs> Yeah, um, which is terrifying, first of all, but yeah. I definitely try to get all, everything that I can from nature because like you know there if you if you are taking a lot of herbs you definitely have um a leg up on getting enough of these of these the like societal deficiencies that we that we're seeing or like even just being outside in the sun without sunscreen on you know for 15 minutes <laughs> um is is a way to get in that like you know if you're in a warm place to get the vitamin d in your body and of course if you're as my teachers that one of my one of the teachers i follow if you're living where you ought not to live such as a place where you can't grow your food in the winter then you're definitely going to need a supplement because that's not where humans are supposed to be living yeah uh, like Edmonton. Creative and inventive. <laughs> yes, exactly. You got to get creative and inventive if you're living somewhere where you shouldn't live. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where those places, you know, in the cold is where um, a lot of great inventions come about because you're like, how are we going to live here? How are we going to eat here? Because, <laughs> like, you know, you go to the tropics and everyone's just sitting around because everything's given to them all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it, everything is relative to where one is and, and um, the nutritional requirements that one needs is typically found around where they are like, you know, you have so many pine trees in Canada um, and then like the pine tips have a tremendous amount of vitamin C in them. So in springtime, you're just like loading up on vitamin D and then in wintertime, you know, you really shouldn't be socializing that much anyway because it's winter, right? Yeah. Uh, so there's always just things in nature that nature is telling you and, and giving you to support your health where you are in the moment because nature is so gracious. Gracious and abundant and prolific. Um, it's just a different way, way to look at it than than the scarcity mentality that we're all so deeply entrained with oh yeah and and i think um if anything can remedy the scarcity mentality it's just going out to you know the forests and the mountains and just spending as whatever time that you can, even if you can just go out for a weekend and just being out in how much abundance there is of life. And yet there's so much stillness, right? There's nothing really that you can take from it. It's not in a kind of abundance of like, um, you know, all the things that, that can fulfill my desires. It's, it's such a, deeper fulfilling abundance of all the fresh air that you can breathe you know all the sunlight that you can take in and um the lakes and the rivers that you can swim in and all the animals that you can see and um th that kind of abundance is nourishing in such a deeper like mental and emotional and physical way that I think, um, you know, it's, it's obvious. It's, it's why, you know, it's why people enjoy camping, but I think the, the overall point for me is like, okay, now 
how do you bring that into your daily life? So when you come back into your world, you come back to your apartment, you come back to your house, you know, how do you go, okay, now how do I transform this place that I'm in to reflect that abundance, to reflect all of that, of the giving that nature can do. So, um, you know, if it's having as many plants as you can, if it's starting to grow things, if it's starting to get into herbology, um, then, you know, there are obvious great resources. And um, the way that I want to kind of end this is uh, just allowing you, Kat, to um, just point people to where uh, they can find you, where they can find your products. Um, if, uh, yeah, if you have anything kind of special going on that uh, you could relay to anyone who's listening to this. Yes. Um, well, I have a website, catvalane.com. Yeah, and um, that'll be um, all in the notes and stuff, like okay. when the video's uh, going and all in the streaming services. So that'll be there. Okay, catvalane.com. I have my Instagram that I'm on and off on. I'm not I'm not a big social media person. Um, and I also have, I mean, all my products are available internationally through prattdaddy.com. Um, I don't really, I just have, I don't really sell through myself anymore. It just got to be too much work. Um, so that's where I distribute them through. And yeah, I mean, I wrote a book. I don't know if I'm going to release it or publish it, but it's all about the wild rhythms and rekindling our contact with the earth and planting plants so that we all may breathe again. Um, but we'll see about that. I'm not sure yet. Otherwise, yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm definitely just trying to do my part in um, replenishing the fertility of the soil and respecting the home that the earth so graciously gives us. And I mean, I'm just in constant state of awe when I'm working in my garden and I see all the miracles unfolding and the life that I'm giving the earth. Um, and I do believe that, you know, as, as humans with consciousness, rather than being so entangled within the rhythms of the earth, we are observers of that rhythm. Um, it is, it is almost like our, our self responsibility to stop robbing the earth and to, to change our, our views on reality so that our, the future may have a home, you know? Um, so I guess that's kind of what's going on. <laughs> Pretty quiet person for the most part because we've got so much going on when you live off grid it's not not like you just go live off grid and everything's working for you yeah. you are actively participating in everything at every moment and when we lay our heads down at night we sleep like babies it's just <laughs> there's there's nothing on our weighing us down we just go to bed we wake up and we just do it all again and again and we find the magic and the mystery in it every day um so Wonderful. we've got a lot going on yeah <laughs> Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's also the reality of, of living wild, right. And living out in nature is the daily responsibilities. Um, so, which I, I commend you for, and, you know, it's, it's been a few years since we, you know, have seen each other and, um, I just always have fond memories of all the yoga we've done together and just seeing how, um, amazingly passionate you are about whatever you do and how you can just fully set your mind and heart and body and everything and 
how you drive forward and what you're doing. So I totally believe and see that, you know, with, with your apothecary, it's just going to nourish and, um, and help so many more people, especially seeing, uh, with uh who you're collaborating with um with pratt daddy and and spencer pratt like uh that uh yeah seeing that i I had like a double take you know i was like wait spencer pratt is that the dude from the hill (laughs) the hills so and and that's so good like as soon as i saw i was like yes like oh man like i'm just so happy for you so um yeah so thank you for coming on the show this is episode number two and um you know you'll be a welcome guest whenever whenever you want um given the time and and your ability so thank you thank you everyone for tuning in have a wonderful rest of your day